Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Darlings, 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 welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast. So this week's question comes from M, and it says, First, I love, love, love what you share on the podcast. My question today is about polyamory and astrology. My partner and I have been married for 10 years. In 2018, we both questioned whether polyamory was for us. Ultimately, I decided I wanted to remain monogamous. My partner still remains in the mindset of wanting polyamory, but hasn't acted on it. Sometimes I wish I could just open up to it, but when I imagine that as a reality, I become closed, sad, and fearful. Does my chart say anything about whether polyamory could work for me? Love, M. And M was born April 17th, 1988 at 9.15 a.m. in Walnut Creek, California. So this is such an interesting and important question. And, you know, it's one I've gotten a bazillion times over the course of my private practice. So I'm happy to answer it here as an interesting side note. Oddly, in the last two weeks, I have gotten a lot of questions about polyamory. So something must be in the air. So let me start very broadly speaking, identifying what polyamory is, because what I've experienced in my private practice is that people would come into my office and tell me that they were poly, but describe actually being non-monogamous instead of being polyamorous. I have spoken with many people who tell me that they're non-monogamous when what they are in fact doing is cheating. And so let's just very broadly speaking, define what these terms mean. And there are many, you know, different definitions and interpretations of these labels, but let's start just broadly speaking. Monogamy is when you are in a relationship, it's you and one other person, and you have an agreement to both sexually and emotionally only be with each other. So in this case, uh, the monogamy is, I mean, I suppose, I suppose triads could be in monogamous relationships, so it's not inherently necessarily two people, but Okay, conventionally speaking, we got a couple of couple few people in a relationship and they're only emotionally intimate and sexually intimate with each other. So if you have intimacies with people that are not inside of the romantic relationship, those intimacies are platonic, not romantic or sexual. Now, non-monogamy, non-monogamy is a much more broad agreement between couples, you know, two or more people, whatever it is. And non-monogamy tends to refer more to uh, any number of agreements around sexual intimacies, but they don't tend to be as much about love, right? It's about not having an exclusive romantic and sexual dynamic with one or more person, right? That's non-monogamy. And non-monogamy can look any number of ways. There's a lot of ways for couples to be non-monogamous. What non-monogamy requires is an identification of the parameters of the agreement, and then, you know, whatever that agreement is, maintaining and honoring that agreement. That's non-monogamy, very broadly speaking. Now, polyamory is something else. Technically speaking, polyamory, the word itself, refers to many loves. It is about having a non-hierarchical, non-exclusive, intimate, romantic life. 
So it is not just about having sex with other people outside of the primary relationship. In fact, it's not necessarily even about having a quote, primary relationship. So it's not just about having sex with multiple people. It is the kind of consensual agreement that falling in love with cultivating intimacy and accountability and a nuanced and layered relationship with one or more other person is an A-OK, is chill, it works, it's good. This is a really important difference between non-monogamy and polyamory. Polyamory is about love. It's not just about sex. It's about intimacies. Non-monogamy, not as much, not as much. And so when we just broadly look at these different ways of kind of being, we can start to look at the astrology of it. So again, broadly, there are exceptions. These are not hard rules. And this is not the only way of looking at these things. But generally speaking, monogamy is very Saturnian. It follows tradition. It it is very much about rules. And it is very much about like monogamy is a nice, solid, closed structure. It offers a lot of security and stability and normalcy and uh, not the most flexible of all the agreements, right? It is not bad. It is not good. It is simply a choice that is either healthy and appropriate for you or not healthy and appropriate for you. Now, non-monogamy, that is Uranian. So there's something inherently kind of queer. And when I say queer, I do not mean gay, but I do mean queer, something um, outside of the norm, right? Something that is outside of convention about Uranus and Neptune. And there is something inherently queer about having a lifestyle where you organize consent around where you're compatible and what you choose and how you engage with your romantic relationships. It's kind of cool. So Uranus and Neptune are both very kind of queer planets in that they are outside of the binary, right? They, they are not binary style planets more than any other in the Zodiac. So when we look to Uranus, we see the capacity and the tendency to have a preference for non-monogamy, which is to say a typical relationship structures, the, the capacity to have multiple sexual partners or the interest in having multiple sexual partners or, uh, you know, some sort of sexual agreement that really is flexible because Uranus doesn't like rules, unlike Saturn. Saturn loves a rule, security, security, security. Uranus is not about security. Uranus is about experience and experimentation. And that brings us to Neptune. Now, Neptune is a planet associated with boundarylessness, right? It is all about idealism and love. And so when we look at polyamory issues, we're often looking to Neptune because it is the planet that really speaks to our willingness, desire, and compatibility with loving multiple people in multiple ways, not having structure imposed around one's sexuality or one's heart. What's really important about all of these relationship structures is that they require consent and compatibility. There's something in your question, M, that has me a little question marky, which is your partner still really is interested in polyamory, but hasn't acted on it. Now, that brings me to a very important thing for me to name, which is cheating, Jupiter. (laughs) So if you're in a partnership with someone with a baseline agreement of monogamy, and then one day your partner comes to you and says, I actually want to be poly, I want to be non-monogamous, and you do not say, yes, I consent, and they act on it, that is not consensual. Them acting on it is them cheating, even if they gave you advance warning that they were planning on cheating. In order to have successful monogamy, non-monogamy, polyamory, anything in between, 
in order to be successful in a relationship with somebody if you or your partner are ace or gray. It is essential that we have consent and compatibility, right? Essential. It's baseline essential. And so I want to just kind of like follow through on this thing I'm talking about around cheating. So there are lots of ways in which people cheat, but a meaningful one and the one I've seen most frequently, the one that's not inherently about, you know, trying to blow up your life or blow up your relationships, or it's not inherently about like, I got really high, I got really drunk and I did something I didn't mean to do is Jupiterian form of cheating. Because when we are looking at the Jupiterian form of cheating, what we're looking at is a person feeling like, you know what, what I do with other people isn't about you. It's about me. And I just need to have my, my experiences. And I'm not hurting anyone with my experiences. What, this per- what my partner doesn't know isn't going to hurt them because it wasn't about them. My love for them is equal, even if I'm doing these things that they're not okay with. I'm going to focus on what I'm okay with. So that Jupiterian um, drive in that can be present in a person can incline us to say what I want is important because I want it. And I'm not going to think about how it makes other people feel because I know that what I want is okay. So we look at all of these different things in the birth chart, keeping in mind that we all have all of these planets in our birth charts. And so we want to synthesize data and not just look at like, oh shit, I have Jupiter in my fifth house. Does that mean I cheat? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It would have to be in context of natal aspects, not just sign or house placement to see whether or not you're well suited to polyamory, non-monogamy, or cheating. So let's get back to your birth chart, M. The first thing I see when I look at your birth chart is you have that uh, tight little pocket of Capricorn placements. You've got Uranus conjunct Saturn, and then more Saturn is more widely conjunct to Neptune in the seventh house. Now, Interestingly enough, perfectly enough, Uranus, non-monogamy, Saturn, monogamy, Neptune, polyamory, they're all in your seventh house. So looking at that conjunction on its own is in no way going to give you data around whether or not this is a healthy life choice for you. What it does tell us, though, is that you are absolutely inclined to be living in a time and having experiences where you can't take one for granted, that you have to question, you know, what is the relationship structure that works for me? Now, in your birth chart, you also have a moon-Jupiter conjunction in Taurus in the 12th house and opposite to Pluto. Now, this is really important data because what it tells us is that you love love, like you really want your partner to choose you and you want to feel that you're the most important person in your partner's life. This is, can be a little bit driving for you in a way that is compulsive and actually not super healthy. Um, and it can also just be your nature. It's not either or, it's different moments, different parts of you uh, emerge, right? This placement has a hard time with negotiating boundaries because there is this part of you that feels that the way to show people that you love them is to go all in on what they want. It's to agree with other people. It's to be like good to go, basically. What makes this more intense is that your opposition here between Pluto and the moon and Jupiter form a T-square to Mars. And Mars is, of course, the planet of fornication and fighting. It's a really important planet in the context of looking at sexual drive. Because of Pluto's involvement, it makes you pretty self-protective. For you, negotiating your sexuality with a new partner would be pretty stressful. Now, 
as you know, here on ghost of a podcast, when I talk about stress, it's not inherently a bad thing. So it might not be a bad form of stress. It might be a super hot, exciting form of stress in some periods of your life. However, it is really stressful for you. And if it doesn't happen organically, there's a way that you can overthink things. When I look at this, I do inherently think that polyamory would be very hard for you. It would require that you center uh, working on your emotional attachments and your ego and your sexuality in a really consuming way. If this is a choice you made, you would need therapy. It It would take a lot of work. Is that really what you want for your life, right? Unfortunately, wherever we have Pluto, we have shame. And so I'm not shocked that you're writing in with this question because there's a part of you that feels like, why don't I want this thing that my partner wants? Why can't I just be down uh, for what they want or for all things in general? To make matters more complex, you also have a north node in Pisces and a Venus conjunction to the ascendant. So let me speak to these two things separately. The first is that north node in Pisces, you actually feel like it is the healthiest and greatest thing to be non-attached, to be open, and to be fluid. And that's actually true. But I wouldn't say that the only way to achieve that, or even the best way to achieve that, is through polyamory or non-monogamy. One can achieve that within monogamy. Again, it's about communication and consent and compatibility. So That brings us to your Venus conjunction to the Ascendant, another natal aspect that inclines you to want to please the people that you're intimate with. It also can incline you to need a lot of attention and a lot of love. This is where I want to speak to how sad you feel when you seriously consider being poly with your partner. I'm not surprised you feel closed and sad and fearful because you don't want it. Now listen, I'm not here to tell you what you do and don't want. that's not actually what I'm trying to do here. I don't think you actually want to be poly, you know, and I should pull back to say that if the two of you, you and your spouse had created a polyamorous or non-monogamous relationship straight out the gate, things might feel different. That's possible if you had created certain expectations, but opening up the relationship for you based on your birth chart, it looks like, is likely to feel more like something being taken from you instead of an expansion of your love life. You don't want less commitment, less attention, less intimacy with your partner. That's not interesting to you. And because it's not easy and organic for you to find new partners, especially during COVID, I imagine, it just feels like a loss. What's really important for me to say here is two things. The first thing, I know I already said it, but I'm going to reiterate. There is nothing inherently superior or inferior about monogamy, polyamory, or non-monogamy. Not at all. As long as it's consensual and all parties are being honest and forthcoming and practicing safer sex, there is nothing inherently better or worse about any of these relationship structures. However, without consent, without fluid consent, there are superior and inferior structures, right? You are telling me in your question that you know your answer is, I don't want to do this, but you wish you could do this. And so this reflects either a judgment that you have around monogamy, or it reflects your fear of why your partner wants a thing that you don't want, and that it's hard for you to hold that boundary. And my dear, I want to say to you, if your boundary is, 
I like monogamy. Monogamy works for me. I'm not angry at you for being interested in polyamory, but I am not able to consent to being polyamorous in a healthy way. Uh, I want to say good on you. I want to say good on you. Know yourself. Honor your needs. Own your needs. Be clear about your needs. If your partner has changed and they have gone from somebody who was happy to be monogamous and become somebody who is not happy to be monogamous, that might be a bridge the two of you cannot cross together. It, it may be very serious in your relationship, and it may not be, honestly. You may have communicated to your partner, I can't help but wonder, based on a lot of things in your chart and in the way you've written this question, that you're more open to it than you actually are. There is no reason why you should have to be polyamorous, even if your partner really, 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 really wants to, okay? There's no reason for you to force yourself into this. And, you know, the the kind of like crux of your question as you wrote it was, does my chart say anything about whether polyamory could work for you? The answer is, yeah, sure, of course it does. But it doesn't look great. It doesn't look impossible for you. uh, But it, it doesn't look great. Now, let me add some complexity to this though, okay? Because you know I like a little complexity. Okay, here it is. First thing, Uranus is forming a square to your Mars currently. When Uranus forms a square to Mars by transit, uh, not an uncommon thing is to be open to experimenting with new sexual experiences, you know, and having the opportunity to experience new sexual experiences or having new kinds of partners, right? The thing that I want to say to you is that if you have not been actually like finding a yes around hooking up with other people in this period of your life, that's a really clear no from my perspective as an astrologer. If you're not excited by the idea of hooking up with other people, if it doesn't feel really good, that idea, then that's your system saying, I don't want to. And that is a beautiful thing. It is not a bad thing. It is not a good thing. It is a beautiful thing to identify your needs and preferences and desires and to own them. That's it. Now, here's the other thing. Pluto is squaring your Mercury. It's still squaring your Mercury. Uh, It's going to be forming a square to your sun starting next year. So you're in a period of your life where you are really likely to be obsessing on things that are difficult and having a hard time communicating, right? Now you do have this beautiful sun, sun Mercury conjunction in Aries, which can incline you to being very blunt, very forthright, very to the point. However, the Venus conjunction to your Gemini ascendant will fuck with that because Venus likes to be accommodating instead of authentic because being accommodating is a great way to get validation from other people. When I look at your birth chart, I can tell you that it looks like you really know that you have a no here, that you know with a K, that you have a no here with an N, you know, with a K. So here we go. From my astrological perspective, part of what you're going through at this time is major lessons around giving yourself permission to have your own thoughts, your own attitudes, and your own preferences. Mercury. And there's struggle around it because Pluto. And that struggle is not bad or good, but it is very difficult. And so forthright communication is key. My general rule, and this is just general, there's always exceptions, but my general rule is if it's not a yes, if it's not an enthusiastic yes, it's a not now. It's a no for now. You know, sometimes in life we have no's. It's a no. It's a, I don't do that. I don't like that. And sometimes it's a definitely a no, but a no for now. You know what I mean? Like I closed the door. I heard it click, but I didn't lock the door. It's a no for now. 
There is no shame in having clarity about what you don't want while still seeing the merit in that thing. My dear, I hope this was helpful for you to navigate your preferences, but also to validate that you already know what your preference is and that that is a beautiful fucking thing. Compassion in Oakland was formed in response to the surge of anti-Asian attacks in California's Bay Area. It started with a simple social media post offering to chaperone anyone within Oakland's Chinatown neighborhood to help them feel safer. Since then, over 400 volunteers of all different backgrounds have come forward from across the Bay Area to stand against AAPI hate. Thus was born the movement for the community to come together to support and protect our Asian elders. Compassion in Oakland is now looking for volunteers to serve in several different roles. Check out their website to donate, learn more about volunteering, or start a compassion project in your own area. Go to CompassionInOakland.org, link in show notes. Okay, before we get fully into the horoscope, I just want to take a moment to thank you, whether you just started listening to Ghost of a Podcast or you've been with me since self-service days over on Girl Boss Radio with Jericho Mandiber. Uh, I just want to thank you for joining me on this really amazing journey. I've loved getting to do this. It's just been a really beautiful thing. And I've loved being able to do it DIY styles. It's kind of thrilling that the technology supports getting to do my own podcast on my own terms in my own way. I'm super into it. I'm super into you. And I just wanted to, I wanted to take a moment to say thank you. It's worth being with how exciting it is to know how many of you are uh, as excited by and interested in astrology, accountability, healing, and understanding how that is interconnected irrevocably to issues of social justice and the political and social systems that we live in. It just, I don't know, it gives me, it gives me all kinds of warm, fuzzy feelings to know that we are in this shit together and that so many of you are so deeply invested in doing the work. So big fat hug to you all, big fat love to you all. I'm going to get to your horoscope now. Okay. So this week we are looking at the astrology of April 4th through the 10th. And there are a number of things going on, but let me, let me just remind you what I hope isn't annoying because I keep on reminding you, but it really does, it does merit uh, constant reminding. Saturn is square to Uranus. The psychological, individual, lived experience of this transit is deeply destabilizing. It feels like the things that you thought you could really rely on are not so reliable. It feels like mental anguish or anxiety or tension, or it can feel like being hyper tense or hyper vigilant. Uh, it's, it's a stressful transit psychologically. And so what I'm noticing so many people are experiencing is this overwhelm and buildup from things that you've been just kind of like having to really cope with. And I want to remind you that this is happening. You are not in it alone. There is this larger social and astrological context to what you're experiencing and how it feels. And what this transit requires of us is an innovative spirit, a willingness to look at old problems, old attitudes, old storylines, old systems, 
and to seek new answers, new coping mechanisms, new habits, and new approaches. It's not easy, you know, it's not easy, but it's also not bad per se. I mean, I mean, but it's not bad per se. So I just wanted to start off by acknowledging that that is the backdrop of all the damn things that we're going through. It just is. So when we have weeks or days where there's nothing heavy happening, there's nothing especially, you know, cumbersome happening astrologically, so many of you will be like, phew, big sigh of relief, wonderful. And then so many other of you will have the bandwidth to really feel the heaviness of this larger Saturn Uranus transit. And so whoever you are, wherever you're at, you just want to remember that there is a larger context. And when you're in that state of like real stress and anxiety and potentially anguish, what you want to remember to do is not seek stability, but instead try to seek effective coping mechanisms and to be open to new ways of dealing with old problems. So that all said, on the 6th, we have a very chill transit. It is a Venus sextile to Mars. Is it sexy? Is it amorous? Maybe. If it hits your chart directly, it is. Venus sextile to Mars, it's it's fun. It's really just like Venus is all about diplomacy and relating and connecting and Mars is motivating and activating. So it can be a lovely time for relationships. It's a great time for flirting. It's a great time for trying on new outfits and playing with new looks. It's a great time for creativity in general and diplomacy in general. It's not spectacular in its effects. And so unless it's doing something really specific to your birth chart, you're unlikely to feel it. That said, there is value in doing your utmost to uh, really kind of capitalize on the positive potential of this transit, which is to act in ways that reflect your values. And to do that in the context of your relationship to beauty issues, your relationship to your relationships, and to your relationship even with money. These are all Venusian themes. Mars is activating and mobilizing for the Venusian themes that we are talking about here. Also, Venus can have a lovely impact of softening the fiery edges of Mars. So get in there and make it cute. Experiment with ways of asserting your will or your needs more diplomatically or differently diplomatically. Now on the 9th, we have a kind of difficult couple of transits happening. So Mars is square to Neptune and Mercury is conjunct Chiron. There's a lot to say about this. Mars and Neptune, in my view, are the two most different planets from each other in the zodiac. Mars is ego, self-satisfaction. It's like, I want to get this done because I fucking deserve it. I need it. And Neptune is all one love. It's how we are all interconnected. It's uh, the higher self as opposed to the ego. It is idealism and interconnectedness. Neptune does not do well with ego drives. Now, I want to clarify something that I've definitely said before, but is definitely worth repeating. I want to clarify that the ego is not inherently bad. You know, I know a lot of spiritual people and a lot of spiritual thinkers um, will define the ego as bad. The ego is absolutely not bad. The ego is simply the ego. What we want is a healthy ego because the ego is a part of the human experience. And if we have a healthy ego, then we can make choices that reflect, you know, our integrity and what is authentic. When your ego is smooshed into a corner or repressed or too small, 
Similarly to when your ego is too big, too entitled, too demanding, you will have problems in your life and you will create problems for other people. Too much ego, not enough ego, different, but similar problems. When Neptune and Mars form a hard aspect to each other, so we're talking conjunction, square, opposition, by transit or in the birth chart, we get into trouble because these two planets want such radically different things in order to feel right in their own energies. This Mars square to Neptune is going to challenge our kind of sense of entitlement and potentially idealism. And in the backdrop of COVID and, you know, so many people around the world thinking that COVID is a hoax in the backdrop of so much racial inequity and puritanical belief systems of like, these people are better than that people. Therefore, I am entitled to do terrible things to that people. So in the backdrop of all of these things, it can exacerbate the worst within us. It can exacerbate the worst within us if we are predisposed to think we are better than others or that we are worse than others. If we are especially susceptible to cults or uh, propaganda, if we're essentially, if we are gullible, looking for quick or easy answers, or simply just wanting to give our power away because it feels too hard to do the research, it feels too hard to assert ourselves, whatever it is, this transit can be a problem. On a kind of individual felt experience level, it can just feel like a lot of anxiety. Like you feel really off in your body and you feel it really anxious and displaced in your body. If you are predisposed to dysmorphia, uh, this can absolutely trigger that in a meaningful way. And so what we want to do to the best of our ability is to explore the balance point between our sense of entitlement and our sense of like what we deserve, the space we deserve to take up, and our idealistic or disassociative beliefs about ourselves or others. You want to keep in mind that squares are, of course, a pivotal time where we can kind of turn the corner, right? So it brings up a crisis in consciousness and it allows us to make a change. The tricky thing is, of course, that the combination of these planets can make us feel suspicious or low energy and easily discouraged just in general. We want to, to the best of our ability, try to get something out of this transit. What I would advise you to consider is to really reflect on and notice how you are embodied or not, especially when Martian themes come up. So that would be anger, frustration, ambition, competitiveness, sex, doing it stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff is very Mars oriented. Pay attention to how you do or don't stay in your body around those feelings. Also, pay attention to your idealism. If your spiritual values and your spiritual ideas come at the expense of seeing the dignity in others and being open to what you do not know, then you may have a little bit of a problem here. And so this transit, it's, it's likely to kick up a lot. Now, in the context of COVID, which whenever I see something involving Neptune in this period of time, while we're still in a pandemic, I got to say, I do have concerns that there could be some sort of super spreader event. I know we have uh, a bunch of vaccines in the U.S. and abroad and that lots of people are getting vaccinated. 
it's still very much a pandemic. There are many regions around the world and in the US where there's a spike in COVID cases. And it's really important, no matter how frustrated you are, no matter how annoyed you are, that you continue to double up on those masks, wear them all the goddamn time, wash your paws like it's your damn job. Compromise your individual comfort or ease for the collective Mars square Neptune. Do it. Why don't you? I said do it. Okay, so that's Mars square Neptune. A little anxious, not going to last forever. And that brings us to the 10th. So the next two transits I'm going to tell you about overlap with that Mars square to Neptune. On the 10th, Mercury forms a sextile to Saturn and Venus forms a sextile to Jupiter. These are another couple of sextiles. Thank you very much. They're lovely. Mars sextile to Saturn is stabilizing. It's a great transit for following through, you know, for figuring things out. If you have to do like something annoying like taxes or uh, I don't know, like going through the spice cabinet in your kitchen or something like something methodical and somewhat detailed that just requires you to be engaged in somewhat repetitive tasks. Mercury sextile to Saturn, it's not going to force you to do it, but if you choose to do it, it'll make it a lot easier on and around this date. Mercury sextile to Saturn is a great time to have conversations that are maybe a little nuanced and difficult to have because it makes it a little easier to be forthright. That's a cool thing. And then finally, if you've been trying to learn something, whether it's a methodology or a concept, this is a great time for receiving information and making sense of it, sorting through it. So Mercury sextile to Saturn is really great for all of these things. And in the context of it overlapping with Mars square to Neptune, there is a greater potential for us to kind of be mindful of what's happening as it's happening. Now, on the downside, you can create a story, you can weave a narrative that sounds very plausible and believable that is absolutely based in panic and fear, or someone else may do that for you. That's the downside. So again, there is no transit, there is no time where you want to abandon your critical thinking skills. It's really just important to know that there are times where you're too anxious, too distracted, too restless, too invested to see things clearly. That's okay. That's when you say to yourself, I am all those things. Therefore, I cannot objectively investigate this or find an answer. I'm going to put a pause on what I'm investigating, deal with my feelings, whether they're energetic, they're physical, they're emotional, or they're mental, deal with my feelings. And then when I'm in a slightly more present space, whether that's centered or grounded, that's when I'm going to return to the topic. It takes practice, but this is a good approach to life in times of yikes, you know. Okay, so the next transit that's happening on the same date, on the 10th, is a Venus sextile to Jupiter. Venus sextile to Jupiter is lovely. It's got a little more oomph than the Venus sextile to Mars, but it's a little similar in that it's a great time for flirting. It's a great time for creativity, playing with aesthetics, all the things that are Venusian, right? This is a great time actually for making purchases that are well-considered. So the well-considered part's actually a really important part because Jupiter can incline us to doing things impulsively. Uh, to, you know, jump in the pool before you check if there's water kind of thing. And so you want to really consider like, is this an investment in my happiness? Is this an investment in supporting something in the world that I really believe in and that I think is important and there needs to be more of? Is this an investment in my financial future or my financial present? Yay, yay, yay. We want all those things. 
If it's hedonism at the expense of your ethics or your wellness, then we have a problem, right? So what I want to encourage you to do is be present with these lines of thinking because the astrology of this week, it has the potential for putting us in more intimate contact with really important themes, in particular, as related to what we value, how we communicate and conceive of that value, and then what we fucking do with it, how we embody it, right? That's a nice little synopsis of what I'm looking at here. The tricky thing is we live in a world of distractions. Some of those distractions are ridiculous. Some of those distractions are really important and beautiful. And we don't have to be associated all the time. We don't need to be healing and working all the time. Come on, obvi. But it is important that we look at our lives and our choices and where we choose to pray. In other words, where we choose to repetitively return our energy and attention to. Because that is defining of who we are, of what we are, of our lives. And if you find that you're putting all your energy into a bunch of bullshit that actually makes you feel anxious and shitty, or you're, you know, at the end of the day, dropping all your cash into a company that you fucking hate and think is terrible for the world, these are just great things to become aware of. That doesn't mean you're going to change or that you can change or that you should change. But that awareness empowers you to make more conscious choices in your life. And that is what it's all about. You do not need to be perfect. You do not need to live in the way that me or your mom or your bestie or your ex think you should live. You got to live in a way that's authentic to you and that is consistent with what you believe to be right. And this is a really powerful week for aligning your attention in that direction right there. And this is one of the, the beauties of sextiles, right? We got, you know, one square, but a bunch of sextiles this week. Nothing is going to force your hand to think about these things, to be cognizant of these things, to be activated around these things. Sextiles won't force you to do shit. However, when we intentionally leverage kind of quote, easy energy, and we choose to do something with it, when we choose to activate around it, then we essentially do the work with less pain and less struggle, which is delightful, if you ask me. I mean, some people like more pain and more struggle, and I respect that. Fuck only thinking about the positive all the time. It's ridiculous. That said, only you can know what is right for you. The right amount of checking in, doing the work, checking out, you know, just like thinking about nothing as you stare at a screen, you know, do do your thing, my loves, do your thing. Now, there's only one last thing for me to name about this week's horoscope. And it's actually next week's horoscope. So on the 11th, Sunday, April 11th, we have a new moon. I will break it down for you on Sunday, the 11th, right? You know how I do. However, the other thing that's happening on the 11th is Venus will be forming a square to Pluto, the effects of which you will feel on the 10th. It is an intense, compulsive, and driving transit. Its energies can make you start to compare yourself to others. Uh, It can have you really just cycling in a really negative self-harming direction around all these themes around Venus. It can be around your finances. It can be around the way you look or how you think other people feel about how you look. It can be about relationship issues or whether or not people like you, how people like you. 
So I want to just kind of name this. I will get into it in greater detail on the 11th. And if you're like, wait a minute, no, seriously, I have to find out more now. Join me over on Patreon where I drop the whole month ahead horoscope on the first of every month. So you can hear more about it there. But the Venus square to Pluto is going to kick up lots of shit. So if you're feeling it, if you're feeling it within the week, you know, around the the 9th or the 10th, I wouldn't be surprised. And when we look at this Venus square to Pluto, in conjunction with the data that we have that Mars is square to Neptune, again, you can find yourself focusing on really the wrong thing. So pay attention to where you allow your energy to pool and make sure that if you are fixated on something, that it is something neutral, creative, generative, or positive. And if you cannot focus on something positive or neutral, as much as possible, distract, 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 because negative obsessions have the power to create a lot of harm this week and leading us into next week. So rein that shit in to the best of your ability, you know, and if you can't, that's totally human. Gather the data, gather the intel so that you can use it moving forward in your self-care toolkit, my nerds. That's your horoscope for the week. That's what happened. It's your whole horoscope. A quick recap. On the 6th, Venus forms a sextile to Mars. On the 9th, Mars forms a square to Neptune. On the 10th, Mercury is sextile to Saturn and Venus is sextile to Jupiter. And then on the 11th, we're gonna have a new moon and Venus will be square to Pluto. More to come. As always, thank you so much for joining me here on Ghost of a Podcast. And stay tuned for my very soon forthcoming astrology app, Astrology for Days. Very fucking excited about it. If you wanna get updates as they emerge, you can sign up on my website for the mailing list. But really, at the end of the day, what I really want for you, what I really want for you is for you to want you. That's all. Is there anything better? I don't know. Maybe. But it seems pretty fucking cool. So choose you today, tomorrow, with as much love as you deserve. Bye. Every year they say the end is near. But we're still here. Yeah, we're still here.